What's up, everybody? Welcome to Keeping It 9450, codenamed WBB. I'm Daniel Artest. Back again with another late night podcast. So the Baritone Brothers is in the building. KDOT is in the building with me. What's going on, KDOT? Good evening, by the way, brother. Hey, yo. What up? What up is? What's popping? What it is? I know what it is. It's award time. I'm excited to talk about the regular season awards. Decided to talk about first team, second team. It's going to be very exciting to just break down who we have, and it's going to be a fun show tonight. The Baritone Brothers are in full effect, so let's get it popping. Yeah, definitely. Kids are asleep, families are asleep, so it was just us down here making mad noise in the crib. So yeah, we got to throw the baritone on, late night radio. <laughs> now we're going to get into it, though. We So this is our official 9450 Women's Basketball Network Awards show for WNBA. And I'm just going to start off with the coach of the year, Kata. I'll go first. And I'm really torn on this award because it's, do I go with the two coaches who have the elite teams or the one coach that's going to come up? And this might be the unpopular pick, KDOT, but I'm going with Coach Tanisha Wright of the Atlanta Dream, man. And it's funny because as earlier today, I was like, James Wade is Coach of the Year and stuff. But when you really look at it, man, you got to give it to the up-and-coming coach. She she changed the culture of this team. And after all this drama they went through last year to getting within one game of the playoffs and after how the preseason was about them being one of the worst teams in the league, they now have a lot of potential with Ryan Howard. You know what I'm saying? I feel like this future is is bright for this team. And I feel like Tanisha Wright is coach of the year. She's the right woman for this job, bro. Yeah, I definitely agree with you in regards to Tanisha Wright being coach of the year. She's definitely set the precedent and changed the culture of the Atlanta dream. We've seen what happened with Atlanta last year, especially with the situation that happened with, with Coach Nikki Collins leaving to go to Baylor and the crazy uh things that they had to go through to scramble to get an interim head coach and just what happened with the season overall. And Tanisha Wright has come in, comes from a great basketball background, of course, a former WNBA player herself, and then coming from the coaching tree of Bill Lambeer, what, which he has been famous for great coaching trees. So it's really good to see her step in and provide a different change and a different culture for the Atlanta dream. And they've done very well for themselves. What's crazy. I love that pick, but I'm going to go a different route. What's crazy is we both agree on this pick, but I'm looking at another coach that's come in to succeed Bill Lambeer. And that's coach Becky Hammond with much respect to coach James Wade and what he's done this year. And this is, this isn't something that we're going to talk about, but to me, he's my pick for executive of the year. I think that coach Becky Wright has come in and she's also not changed the culture, but more elevated what was already in Las Vegas. And she's tapped so many potentials of so many of the players that were already on the brink of being really good. Jackie Young has had a career um, year. Kelsey Plum has had a career year. Erica Hamby in the beginning of the year had a career year. And one thing that cemented my pick for culture of the year is when Las Vegas went on that little slump, um, if you will, playing 500 after starting off the season at 13 and two, the adjustments that coach Becky Hammond was able to make because they were sitting at two from the middle of the season until about the last 
actually until the game against the Chicago Sky. And for her to decide to make the adjustment to bring De'Erica Hamby back off the bench and start Kia Stokes, it's actually worked for the Las Vegas Aces. And now they are the number one overall seed and have cemented themselves as quote unquote by record uh, the best team in the league, even though they tie the record with, with Chicago, they also beat Chicago in the regular season series. So I'm, I'm definitely thinking about giving that to Becky Hammond because of that argument, but I'm not going to sit here and say Tanisha Wright didn't like literally have a 180 change and shift of the culture for the Atlanta dream, because if she does essentially get the award, she is well deserving of it. And I'm not taking that away from her for sure. Yeah, I agree, man. That's why I had the name of my coach of the year and stuff. But you don't listen between James Wade, Tanisha Wright and Becky Hammond. There's no wrong choice. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. I bet even if our brother 808 was on the show, he'll probably go with James Wade. So that's, I think that is not a, a bad thing. But uh, all right, let's move on to most improved player. And uh, honestly, I just think that Kelsey Plum might win it because her numbers is, is really good. In 2021, she was averaging 14.8 points and uh, three and a half assists. And in 2022, she bumped it up. Her averages is at 20 points and five assists. And she was on the MVP list, K-Dot. You know what I'm saying? So... Honestly, you wish you could have a co-most improved player award, if anything, but we already talked about her before the season and our player to watch list, and she actually more than lived up to it, and I'm talking about Jackie Young of the Las Vegas Aces. She had a career year across the board, 16 points, four and a half rebounds, four assists, one and a half steals, and also you can tell she improved the game from going 25% from three last year to 43%, which was third in the league this season, and just... Going from another good player with potential to an all-star, you know, who knows, K-Dot, what would have happened more with her season if she didn't get injured, brother? Yeah, I agree. And my pick is definitely Jackie Young as well, because if you look at her pedigree coming in as the number one overall pick, the former number one overall pick, of course, and what what her role was, if you will, basically defensive slasher, if you will, who has improved her offensive game tremendously. And you just quoted the numbers of her improvement and there's no need to repeat it. I do believe and truly believe that Jackie Young is our league's most improved player for this year. And she is our, she was, she was our number one player to watch when we had our players to watch episode way back in, I believe it was like March or April. And I think that she's done everything that we said that she was going to, to do everything that she was expected to do. And you have to tilt your hat off to her because she's endured a lot. And for two weeks with the ankle, she was able to come back and not really not miss a beat, to be honest with you. And there's just not a lot you can say about Jackie Young that hasn't been said already about how impressive she's been throughout the season. So I'm definitely giving most improved to Jackie Young this year. Yeah, definitely. But I, listen, Kayla, I do got to give a shout out to the most unpopular player on this most improved list. I don't know why nobody really sees it. And it's her fault because her style of play, which is 
technically, to be honest, is not a bad style of play. You want players like her on your team, and especially if she's going to get better. And I'm talking about Sophie Cunningham, man. Like I said, she's not the most popular player, but she's definitely on this list, man. She got to be. She had a career season. KDOT, last year, her numbers was five and a half points, two boards, and one assist. And this year, she was at 12 and a half points, four and a half rebounds, and one and a half assists. That's, in, that's improvement in her game and stuff. And also, playing the four. A small ball lineup, she's a guard and she's playing power forward, you know what I mean? And producing, you know what I'm saying? So I think that she definitely deserves of her flowers on this. And I know a lot of people will be like, oh, Sophie Cunningham this, Sophie Cunningham that. But I'm like, listen, and keep it in 9450, <laughs> we keep it all basketball. And I just feel like uh, uh, that she got to be on the list. But like I said, Jackie Young, definitely most valuable, most improved player, in my opinion. But also, but I feel that... Kelsey might win it. Kelsey Plum might win the award, brother. What's your thoughts on Sophie, though? Yeah, yeah, you definitely have to give tons of credit to what Sophie Cunningham has done throughout the season, especially what everything that's happened in Phoenix this year. She came in, she went to work, and she made the strides that you need to make as a player. And she's done an incredible job this year. Of course, coming in as a three-point specialist, she's increased her game to more than just a three-point specialist, even though you still can't leave her open beyond the arc. She will still light a three up in your eye. My thing is with Sophie is that because of her improvement and the ability to play more games and play more minutes, she's done an incredible job in seizing that moment, especially again with everything that went that went on this year. So I'm definitely going to give her some props because of course, being very objective for this network, being very objective for this podcast. You can't, you got to leave your bias out of it and keep it on the basketball court. And you cannot argue the fact that Sophie Cunningham has not been one of those most improved players. So I'm definitely going to give her a credit where credit is due. Thank you, Kate. Finally, you are coming to towards the light, brother. You know what I'm saying? I get it. Maybe her tweets is trash or whatever her personal opinion on certain things is absolutely dead trash. But on the court, man, she's been doing her thing and we have to give her some love about that. But let's move on to the sixth woman of the year and by far the best player in the W coming off the bench. And we're talking about Brianna Jones from the Connecticut Sun, one of my favorite players because of her efficiency coming off that bench. I think that she's top five or seven per 100 possessions. I think she, she averaged about 14 points, shooting 57% from the field, a real beast on the offensive glass, always creating second chance opportunities for herself and her team. And when she get two feet in the paint, KDOT, she's basically unguardable. Reminds me of myself in my heyday, man. Like, I really love her game. And I know other teams this summer is going to show how much they really love her because she's going to get paid this offseason. I don't think Connecticut can afford to keep her. And uh, Brianna Jones, sixth woman of the year. KDOT, go ahead. Yeah, Brianna Jones is definitely sixth woman of the year. And I do think that her efficiency sticks out like a sore thumb. And maybe that sore thumb is more of a good thing because if you look at her true shooting percentage, 63.5% on 9.7 possessions, that is incredible. 57.1 of an effective field goal rate. Um, and she's just been incredible for the Connecticut Sun coming off the bench. She's been more incredible, in my opinion, for the guards and for Alyssa Thomas because of the way 
she impacts the half court setting, knowing how to set, knowing how to set the right screens, knowing how to be in position for offensive rebounding. I think that with 2.6 offensive rebounds per game, that's pretty impressive coming in, knowing that the Connecticut Sun is very notorious for their great rebounding because of that great front court that they have. What's more impressive is coming in with 1.2 steals per game. So defensively, she is a beast. Her defensive statistical impact sits at an 81. And everybody knows if you're past 80 from a defensive statistical impact standpoint, that means you stand out very well. And she has done a great job on 21% usage rating. And again, coming off the bench and doing what she's done for the Connecticut Sun was definitely warranted. And again, you can't say anything bad about Brianna. And she's definitely deserving of Sixth Woman of the Year. We'll be back after a quick break. I'm Chris Stemp. I'm Donnie Stemp. Two brothers on this strange rock hurtling through space. I don't know, man. This rock is in trouble. The Week on Earth is a new podcast on climate change and the state of the planet. We're talking cars, carbon, trees, toilet paper, apocalypse, utopia, and most importantly, human behavior. We need to put the emotion into this story. How do we move from an extractive society to a regenerative society? Pretty twisted. And it gets worse. (laughs) It's changed my entire outlook. From the Peabody Award-winning producer of Netflix's Fantastic Fungi, The Week on Earth, new episodes every Monday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Not only that, deserving of the bag, I think I'll max her out if I had the the cash too. If I'm a team, I'm max out. Somebody going to get her, man. All right, so let's move on to our Defensive Player of the Year. This is a tough one to pick. I was torn between three players, but I had to go with the one who impacted defense from the eye test as well as the numbers, man. And when she was on the court, her team had a defensive rating of 98.5. And when she wasn't on the court, the team defensive rating jumped to 110. And you're getting elite rim protection night in and night out. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm sorry, Stewie, and I love you. I love you, Brittany, but I'm going to go with Asia Wilson, man, for Defensive Player of the Year, man, from the Las Vegas Aces. She's third in defensive win share. She's first in blocks and second in rebounds, 11th in steals. Like, she's just a special talent all around, and that's why she's my Defensive Player of the Year. But this is what I feel. If This is what I would say, and you heard me say this when we talk on the phone, KDOT. I feel like with Brittany is getting a huge disservice for playing on the Aces, playing on the Sparks. I feel like if she was on a winning team, that this award would be hers. You know what I'm saying? Like lockdown, perimeter defender, all that. You know what I'm saying? And I just feel like with her and the Sparks, it's not going to be highlighted because of they're not winning. She needs, like I said, Brittany needs to be in a winning program, for real. So her exploits can be shown on on an elite level, on a national level and stuff, because she's one of the greatest defenders I've ever seen. And we had her on the show and I was not lying, Kate, when I was comparing her to my brother and then my brother seen it and agreed with me as, as far as defense and everything. I just feel like with Brittany Sykes, man, like I just feel like she needs, just need to go on a better team so she can really show what she can do when she don't have to focus on being, oh, I got to score 20 or I got to score 30, even though she can, because she just scored 35 the other day. But I want to see her and her special gift as as a great defender 
on a title contending team, man. And that's all I got to say about Brittany. So, but I got Asia winning it right now. What you got, brother? Yeah, like before before I go to my defensive player of the year, I 100% agree with you. Brittany Sykes, she led the league, she led the league in steals again this year, if I'm not mistaken. And one thing about Brittany Sykes is as a perimeter defender, it's so difficult with these type of awards as a perimeter defender because it's almost it's almost like you're being penalized for not being tall, if you will. And in this case, I think that with Slim, aka Brittany Sykes, that's one of those cases. Plus, winning matters, and winning matters a lot. And that leads me to my defensive play of the year, which winning definitely mattered this year. And she has the highest defensive statistical impact in terms of the volume of steals and blocks she has accrued versus the ratio of fouls that were given. And that is none other than Asia Wilson at 98, an astounding 98. Now, mind you, Asia has played 37 games this year. She started all 37 games. That plus one is the Commissioner's Cup. For her to have a defensive statistical impact of 98, and by the way, all of our stats that we mentioned are brought to you by Cerebro Sports. Make sure you subscribe to Cerebro. They are a great way to describe our stats for players, and we don't let the great players slip through the cracks. So join Cerebro, never miss a chance to find the right teammates. And going back to what I was saying about Asia Wilson, as impressive as she was from the analytics, she was just as impressive to the eye. If you watched her all season long, she has been a defensive presence for the Las Vegas Aces. And without Asia Wilson, the Las Vegas Aces defense crumbles. Yes, I'm saying that it crumbles. The numbers don't lie. The eye test doesn't lie. Everything cumulative comes back to Asia Wilson being a great defender in terms of steals, blocks, communication impact, the way she knows how to, to hedge, the way she knows how to rotate defensively, the way she knows how to stop defense, offensive transition. It's It was everywhere this year. And per game, averaging 2.1 blocks, 1.5 steals on only 2.1 personal fouls. That was impressive this year. And you can't say enough about Asia's impact on defense. And I truly believe she is the league's defensive player of the year this year. And it's going to be very interesting to see because I do have Stewie second for a defensive player of the year because she was just as impressive. Her defensive statistical impact was at a 91. Her and Asia are the only ones that score past 90 within defensive statistical impact. Everybody else who was considered for defensive player of the year, they are at an 80, between an 80 and an 80, I believe an 87. So when you have two players of that magnitude who score past 90 in defensive statistical impact, it's a no-brainer because, again, numbers don't lie and the game film don't lie. So I have definitely Asia as defensive player of the year. 
Yeah, you said it all. And shout out to Cerebro too. K that with the dope Cerebro commercial plug right there. I enjoyed that. That was funny. <laughs> now, nah, but uh, hey, let's move on to Rookie of the Year real quick, man. It's simple. And uh, we know who the Rookie of the Year is, man. It's Ryan Howard. I could just end the conversation right there and say, all right, cool. Let's move on to MVP. But we're going to talk about it, though. Ryan, she's a top 15 player her first year in this W, man. She led all rookies in scoring. She led all in assists and in steals as well. She was an all-star. She scored in double figures for 30 games, man. I could just go on and on. But I want to I want to point something out, and I'm going to name some names. Asia Wilson, Brianna Stewart, Candace Parker, Diana Taurasi, Tamika Catchins, Shamiko Hosclaw, and Ruthie Bolton. When I say those names, KDOT, what did Ryan, what does Ryan Howard have in common with them? And if you don't know, just say, I don't know. And I'll run it down to you real quick. Go ahead. Yeah. Break that down for me because you named some great names. Yeah. So, so basically she's on the list with those other players to average at least 16 points, four rebounds, two assists, one block, one steal in their first season. That's a list of greats. You know what I'm saying? And they all, they have championships, they have MVPs, and some of them are in the Hall of Fame or going to be in the Hall of Fame. And much, much love to Shakira Austin and Alyssa Smith. But this award is Ryan Howard. It's hands down hers. You know what I'm saying? And I love what Shakira Austin is going to do in her future, as well as Melissa Smith, when they put a team around her. I think that she's going to be amazing too. But right now, it's, it's just Ryan Howard, man. She's just special, bro. Yeah, I definitely agree. And to put a little more emphasis on what you're talking about regarding Ryan Howard, listen, if it wasn't for Tiffany Hayes playing 11 games, out of all of the players, Ryan Howard sticks out and she has the best she has the best statistical analytics for her team. So meaning that she's arguably the or not even arguably, she's hands down the best player on her team even with someone like a Cheyenne Parker who's played 36 games, a Ari McDonald who's played 36 games, who and who is a former first round first round pick for the Atlanta Dream, but with Ryan Howard at 34 games playing 31.3 minutes, the most minutes out of the entire out of the entire team. Looking at her per game, her, you know, even though her field goal percentage wasn't as good as we wanted to, it's because, you know, of the volume of shots that she took. And she had the green light. She had the green light this year. And she actually did a real good job in trying to understand and picking her spots, knowing that this is a professional league and is going to be different on a game by game basis. So I'm not going to knock her too much on her, on her shooting percentages this year. She's a rookie a rookie on a team that was on the verge of actually making the playoffs, the very last game of the regular season. So I'm not going to do a lot to, to say she doesn't, she doesn't warrant the the gratitude of being rookie of the year because she actually is. And Ryan Howard has done an incredible job this year in just leading the Atlanta dream to a, obviously a better record than what they had last year. And within coach Tanisha Wright shifting and changing that culture as well. I also believe that Ryan Howard with her being an all-star definitely sealed the deal as well. And Ryan Howard is just an amazing player overall. You actually understand why she was who she was when she was at Kentucky, because she essentially moved all of her responsibilities from that Kentucky team to this Atlanta dream team with the help of Cheyenne Parker. And for those 11 games, Tiffany Hayes and um, 
also with McDonald stepping up this year as well. So I'm really proud of what Ryan has done this year. And again, that's no knock to Melissa Smith. And that's also definitely not a knock to Shakira Austin because Shakira Austin is a rookie who will be playing in the playoffs and has had a great impact for the Mystics. But hands down, Ryan Howard is the rookie of the year. Yeah, conversation's over right there. That's it. Simple as that. Nah, I'm just playing. Let's move on to MVP. And honestly, to be honest with you, like MVP wasn't an easy choice to pick, man. But uh, I'm going to go with Asia. You know what I'm saying? Like she's doing double duty this year with being defensive player of the year and MVP, man. Like I thought that she was just beyond elite this season, man. As was uh, Stewie as well. This was a two-player race. And I thought that Stewie gained some ground on Asia. I just thought it wasn't enough at the same time. Asia, she really improved the game during the offseason. Like who else that, that took the leap from making only two threes in their first four years? And then year five, shoot almost 40% from three, shooting at least, I think, 70 threes or whatever. That's something special to improve on, something like that. That's crazy. She finished fifth in the league in scoring, second in rebounding, first in blocks. No other player was in the top five in those categories, KDOT. She led the league in double-doubles. I figured that, I think that, like, Asia more than answered all my questions coming into the season about playing the five, how she made it look seamless from playing in a slow offense with Bill Lambert to playing in a more modern offense under Becky Hammond. That adjustment is hard to do, you know what I mean, as far as, like, when the coaching regimes is switched up. She is what I call the alpha and omega of this team, bro. You can start with her in the post on offense. She could step out, hit some jump shots, and then she can end things with a big block or a defensive stop and everything. And I know, like, you know, a lot of people are pushing the Stewie should be MVP narrative, and I don't blame them. Stewie, as for Stewie, she won her first scoring title. And from an analytics per- perspective, KDOT, she is more efficient and more versatile and a better playmaker than Asia Wilson. But even by saying that, still, um, Asia Wilson is still my MVP, man. Like, she was just better on both sides of the ball. And she's the best player on the best team in the league. Simple as that. That's all I got to say about that one, bro. Go ahead. Yeah, Asia is MVP. Enough said. She is the quintessential gold standard of this season's WNBA regular season. She ended the season with a C-RAM of 10. And what I mean by a C-RAM of 10, that means a contextual analytics uh being that Cerebro Sports have on their platform, meaning that she was above and beyond in comparison to players that basically they compare to her. And if you look at those stats that you brought up, to be honest with you, she wasn't really even that far from from Stewie from a from an efficiency standpoint. Her true shooting percentage was at a 58.1 compared to Stewie's 59.2. Again, not even that far. Field goal percentage was at 49.8 to Stewie's 47.2. Three-point percentage. Hey, guess what? She was at a 37.6. Stewie was at a 37.9. And and that's that's on, I know that's half of the attempts, but at the same time, it's it's very impressive, just like you said, for her to only take what two or three three pointers her first four years to elevate net this year alone and having the percentages that she had. It was very impressive. And again, Brianna Stewart has carried the torch just about all season long for the, the Seattle Storm from a C Ram standpoint, because she's always led at maybe like a 9.8 or 9.9 and Asia is right behind her with a 9.7 or like a 9.6. But these last couple games that Asia has had 
has taken her over the threshold and she's become the gold standard because now Brianna is sitting by herself at a silver at a silver standard at 9.9. So when you have a CRAM of 10 or more, you become the gold standard of your league. And Asia Wilson finished the season at the gold standard of her league. And this is a combination of tons of stats, analytics that has been compiled. And it's in conjunction with what on film. So for those who want to argue the fact that Asia is or the aces are essentially still between a top four, top five team in the league, if they didn't have her, I would beg to differ. I know that in comparison to Stewie, Seattle does look different, but in comparison to Asia as well, I don't care if you have Kelsey. I don't care if you have Chelsea. I don't care if you have Dierica. They will be a different team if it wasn't for Asia. Because if you look at the defensive side of the ball, when you increase your defensive rating from a 98 to 109, 110, that's huge. And everything doesn't predicate on one side of the ball. When you look at Stewie, offensive numbers are crazy, incredible, immaculate. But when you take a combination of both offensively and defensively, Asia Wilson has done everything in her power to make sure that her team was put in a great position to win games. And you take that away from the aces. They're just a great offensive team. That's it. That's it. Mm, interesting point, Kate. All right, let's move on to our all WNBA teams. And my first and second team is uh, I'm going to go with Skylar Diggins-Smith from Phoenix. And then I'm going to go with Kelsey from Las Vegas. I got Stewie, Alyssa Thomas, and Asia Wilson. And my second team is uh, people, it's going to be tight, man. They need to create a third team. Now, I was going to create a third team, but I'm not going to do that. I got Sabrina for second team, John Quell, NECA, Candace, and uh, Courtney, man. For my second team, I think that's tough, man, because, yeah, it's tough, Kate. <laughs> Who you got, brother? <laughs> yeah, it is tough, and we actually have the same first and second team, and I'm going to tell you why it's tough, because everybody will probably look at Sabrina, and you can eat, you can probably say Sabrina could be substituted, uh, but when you look at what Sabrina has done for the New York Liberty this year, and they are a playoff team, might I add, and you have to look at the difference in variance between who you would pick in another league. I'm not going to mention another league, but when you look at what the WNBA have, remember, you only have 12 teams, so you have to predicate it on the the amount of teams that you have versus the impact for that player for said team. And Sabrina Unescu, if we're being real, real honest, Sabrina Unescu don't play for the New York Liberty. The New York Liberty are a lottery team. It's just plain and simple. The numbers don't lie. The eye test don't lie. And I know there's a whole bunch of hype coming behind Sabrina. But again, we're keeping the 9450s, the most unbiased show to cover hoops in the land. And when you look at the numbers and when you look at the eye test, it just pops out. And Sabrina, to me, is well-deserving of that second team because she has led that Liberty team. Even with the inconsistencies of Natasha Howard, she was able to step in and do the work that she was able to do. And it was incredible to see this year. And she's, again, fully healthy. 
she could have even been considered for most improved player as well, if you will, because of the hype behind what she's come, what she's coming as. I have to be very objective to this. And Sabrina Unescu definitely deserves that, that second spot. There wasn't an argument for Scholar being first team. I wasn't arguing with anybody. And I think everybody can agree with Scholar being first team. So there was no argument there. If somebody tried to argue me down with that, I, I'll probably walk them down the alley and give them all the numbers, give them all the film. And I'll probably win that battle easily. But I think that you and I, when it comes to first and second team, it was a no-brainer for the list. That's what that's what I give it to. Yeah, and I, you know what? I wish more of these pro leagues do. When you win MVP of the league, you should automatically be considered first team and then still have five extra spots only just for the first team, whether it's all league or all defense. It should be a first team. It's just to have the MVP, obviously, and then you have five players. And because it's, it's just crazy that we didn't put Sylvia Fowles on the list or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I, and and she's definitely deserving of, of a spot. Then the only reason why I didn't do it, to be honest, is because I just felt with NECA being on it, the Sparks basically ruined the MVP type of season with NECA, man. NECA was really good this year. And so that I was torn between that. Well, I got to keep NECA on or put Sylvia on. You know what I'm saying? So that, that was tough for me to do. But let's move on to all defense. And I got... Brittany Sykes, first team, Natasha Cloud, Alyssa Thomas, Stewie, and Asia. And second team, I got, yeah, a rookie, Rebecca Gardner's on there, baby. Ariel Atkins, Gabby Williams, Candace Parker, and Ezzy Magabor. You know what I'm saying? Ezzy deserves to be on first team, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, what she was doing this season. But, you know what I'm saying? It's just crazy. That's why I believe that when you win play like defensive player of the year or rookie rookie of the year whatever the major was is and then you got the first and second teams they should or it should be six spots on the first team man that's all i gotta say that's my defense yeah and again keep it in 9450 have the same teams i do agree with the teams now going back to first and second team all WNBA, i do want to give a shout out to sylvia files and emma misaman from that perspective because they had been very super for their teams, even though the Lynx were unable to make the playoffs. And with Emma Miesemann, I think there were just, there were so many talent, other talented bigs. And she played on a team that was just incredible by committee and incredible depth. And the numbers didn't really stand out compared to the others. So I just wanted to give them a shout out. But from a defensive standpoint, I strongly agree with what you're saying from a defensive standpoint, like when you look at the guards, you look at Natasha Cloud, you look at Brittany Sykes, you look at Rebecca Gardner, who came in as a rookie and has done what she's done for the Chicago Sky and has elevated that defense to a top five um, all defensive team in terms of defensive rating and defensive win shares as well, which is incredible. And then you have Ariel Atkins, someone who really is one of the quietest of them all but she is a incredible defender and doesn't and doesn't get as much love as she needs to but of course keeping the 9450 is going to give her flowers because she deserves it and Ariel Atkins definitely deserves it especially being on an all defensive team and I could argue that she she could be first team but of course her teammate Natasha Cloud is there and I'm pretty sure she would be happy with her teammate being on first team and then her being on second team. Or even if it was flipped, she would she would just be ecstatic regardless. More power to Ariel Atkins. And Ezzy 
you know, as he arguably had a chance to be defensive player of the year this year, we know the circumstances that happened in Seattle late into the season. So that's part of the reason why her numbers dipped a little bit in her adjusting from a lineup standpoint. So I'm going to give a lot of flowers to her too, because she was definitely, she was in her bag. She was also in her bag to potentially be most improved player as well with the numbers that she was putting up earlier in the season. I definitely got to give her some love as well, but the all defensive teams there definitely something that you don't take lightly and congratulations from a keeping a 9450 standpoint. Congratulations to all the women who were selected for awards and all teams. Yeah, most definitely. And to finish it off, we're going to do the all-rookie team. Obviously, it's easy. Shaquille Austin, Queen Egbo, Rebecca Gardner, Ryan Howard, Melissa Smith. That's pretty much it. <laughs> K-Dot, I mean, anything you want to add? We really don't have to add anything. <laughs> nah, we don't have to add anything. It is what it is. They've been very impactful for their teams, and you got to tilt your hat off to them. So congratulations. Well... I want to give some flowers to Queen Egbo because remember when the draft, everybody was like, who, what, why? Boo, throwing mad tomatoes at Queen Egbo. And she made y'all quiet. You know what I'm saying? Queen Egbo definitely deserves some flowers. If anybody I want to give flowers to, it's definitely her. But we're going to sign off, K-Dot. We're going to sign off. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Keeping It 9450, codenamed WBB, part of the 9450 Women's Basketball Network. Don't forget to follow us at the 9450WBB on Instagram and Twitter. Follow KDOT at KDOTLU3H on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow myself at the DR Test Pod on Instagram and Twitter as well. Yeah, and with that being said, we're going to get out of here, KDOT. Love is love. Peace out.